when you're looking at your return on investment, it's not just, you know, well, how much aid am I getting to reduce my cost? It's also, is the salary that I'm going to make in this profession commensurate with how much I'm spending on my degree at this school, right? Because each school has their own cost and even each degree within that school is gonna have its own cost, right? Because if you're paying per credit hour, well, every degree has different requirements. And this one may require 136 hours and that one over there requires 142. This episode is sponsored by Inward Bound Mindfulness Education, IBME. We hear people talking about mindfulness, but why would we want our kids to learn how to pay attention to the present moment with kindness and curiosity? Well, research has shown the benefits of mindfulness to include increased self-awareness, improved focus and impulse control, decreased stress and anxiety, skillful response to difficult emotions, and increased empathy. And research on the impact of IBME retreats shows teens experience increased self-compassion and life satisfaction, as well as decreased rumination and reactivity following their retreat. Basically, it's what we strive for at Mighty Parenting, emotional wellness and greater contentment for our kids. IBME has many programs and opportunities for our teens and young adults, and even parents, to learn and practice mindfulness. Just visit ibme.com slash mightyparenting to see what's available. And while you're there, be sure to enter your email to stay updated on new offerings. Hi, I'm Sandy Fowler, and you're listening to Mighty Parenting, a podcast where we explore parenting in a way that helps us and our kids find more happiness and fosters emotional wellness, even while solving problems with our teens and young adults. We learn through advice and stories from experts and other parents, and I'm so glad you've joined us. So welcome to Mighty Parenting, where we have real, raw, and relevant talk about raising teens and parenting young adults in today's world. We are chatting today with Emma B. Perez. Emma is a mentor who specializes in helping teens and young adults craft who they want to be and how they will impact the world. And this is the third show she's done with me in kind of a little mini series, helping us figure out how to help our kids move past high school and move out into the world in a way that makes sense for them. She joined us on episode 194 to discuss gap years and again on episode 217 to talk about choosing a career. Today, we are talking about choosing a college. So Emma, welcome back to Mighty Parenting. Thank you for having me again. I love being here. Emma, when a teen first starts working with you in your coaching program, what are the kinds of things that they are looking at when they look at colleges? Yeah, so most uh, young people uh, come to me going, oh, I've got to pick a school. i got to pick a school. Um, uh, I need to find one with a campus that I really love. i got to go visit the campus because that's how I'll know if I want to go there. And a lot of times they know of schools because of maybe football. I know I, I live in the Southeastern region. So if it doesn't have a football team, most people don't know about the school. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so that's how they find the schools. And, uh, and then they, it's, it's all about the campus, uh, which is an important piece. Um, but it, it's so surprising to me how many times I say, okay, and um, do they have your major? Oh, uh, probably, 
what are you going to major in? Oh, I don't know. Um, and so then it becomes, okay, well, then why are you picking this school? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I feel like we miss some, some steps before getting to actually selecting the school itself. Well, I'm actually going to take us backwards because on the career episode, mm-hmm. you teased us <laughs> with a, a statement where you said there are actually seven ways for kids to educate themselves beyond high school. So before we get into the detailed discussion about picking a college, I guess, how do I know if they even need college or one of these other six ways? And what are these other six ways they can educate themselves? Yeah, exactly. Okay. So, um, you're exactly right. When, when I work with young people, I I have, um, a program called life quest, which is a six a module program that goes through career life design, career exploration, and college selection. And the last step is deciding what your educational path is. That's the last step. We have lots of other things to go through first. Who are you? How do you want to spend your time? Um, you know, what are your financial needs? Things like that. And I do go into it a, a, a little bit more in detail when we talked about in the career episode. Um, but a lot of times young people are going straight into college because that is just kind of the path that they know, that they hear about at school, um, that other people have taken. And so many times it's the only option for after high school that most young people know about. Uh, but university, um, you know, we, we say college, um, but really what we're talking about is university specifically. There are six other options, including community college and other things, which we can talk about as well. But I have met young people that have gone to college that have after they got to college, decided what they wanted to do, and then realized that there wasn't a major for that, that they didn't need college, or um, that that school didn't offer it. And so when we start with, okay, what do you actually want to do? And then what is the proper educational path for that? You could end up saving lots of time, money, and maybe even heartache as well. I love that. So there's what do you want to do? And we're not going into any of that because go back to the, to the career episode. It's linked in the show notes. Right. And then what's the proper educational path for that? Correct. Right. Cause it could be university or it could be something else. Such as. First of all, let me clarify what I said before. So a lot of times when we say go to college, go to college, what we're really saying is go to university, right? So I do like to separate out university from community college because they're not quite the same thing. With community college, that can be a path to university for some people, but it doesn't have to be. It could be its own educational path, right? You can go to university and get associate's degrees that don't require any further education. Um, You can, there are even some community colleges that offer uh, trades programs there. So sometimes it's a path to university and sometimes uh, it is not, it is its own option. We also have, like I I mentioned, trades. So you have trade schools and tech schools. Um, And these are Listen, everyone should look at these. Even if you think that maybe it's not the right path for you, 
There are so many job opportunities in this field. Um, as a matter of fact, there's been such a push to college um, that now the trades are actually undersupplied. The majority of tradesmen are baby boomers who are retiring and there are millions of jobs being left vacant. And so we actually need people to go in this path. And uh, there really is a stigma. When I was in high schools doing college and career workshops, there was really a stigma, not at all the schools. I mean, it depended on where I was, but at a lot of the schools, there was a stigma against them. And when I would ask young people why, they would just automatically wrote it off. A lot of times they couldn't even tell me why. So, you know, I have my theories, but these are jobs that that are um, essential for our everyday lives and are so important. They do pay well. There's opportunity to, to uh, do even better financially if you decide to own your own company doing this work. And the educational cost of these is far less than a university, plus you start working sooner. So you're gonna have less debt and you're gonna start making money sooner. So don't write those off. Um, some other options, uh, there's also the military. So this is an interesting option because this can be a path kind of like community college. It can be a path to university or it can be its own educational opportunity as well. You can receive training within the military. And then if you do decide to go on to university, um, there is financial compensation for that. You will have VA benefits that can pay. Um, so it is also a way to reduce your cost of university if that's the direction that you go. Uh, there is another episode with you, Sandy, where we talk about gap year programs. Um, a lot of families, when they hear gap year, they think uh, people are just taking a year off, but there's actually a lot of structured programs that offer all kinds of education and training. Most of the kids who do a gap year program do go on to university. So this, for most people, is a path to, to university. Um, but again, it doesn't always have to be. Um, and then we also have... Um, their business coaches. In the other episode, in the career episode, I talked about how um, a lot of the workforce is turning freelance and one needs to be a little bit more entrepreneurial. You know, working with a business coach after high school is not right for everybody, but there are some young people out there who are very entrepreneurial and are ready to start looking at being a freelancer or having their own business. And what I would encourage someone to do is to sit down and calculate your return on investment between a business degree and working with a business coach who's actually going to work directly with an individual to help them set up their business. And then the last one that I want to mention uh, is one of my favorites because it is the least expensive option, and that is apprenticeships. Apprenticeships don't cost money at all. And as a matter of fact, young people often get paid to do an apprenticeship. And it is a learning experience that you get paid to do. And a lot of times they come out, start out the gate making $60,000, $70,000 a year with the jobs they get from an apprenticeship. So those are all the different options. Well, and the interesting thing to me here too is for our kids who don't know aren't ready, school's not their thing, 
Mm-hmm. There are some great other places to go. It's not you graduate high school and you have to get a minimum wage job. Right. It's you graduate high school and you can continue educating yourself. And that educational path might lead to your job. Sometimes, as you said, it leads back to university or, or you know, uh, um, a gap year, an apprenticeship, something like that might then lead you to community college. Like, they can intertwine and move around because in the career episode, you also mentioned like we are going to have various jobs, most likely. Our kids are going to have multiple jobs in career paths through their life. So it's not... It's not this set in stone. You have to finish high school. You have four years to get every, all the education you need. And then that's it. It's, it's sort of this um, moving back and forth thing. And that touches on, I had the thought you mentioned earlier when you were talking, you just said often kids go straight into college. Mm-hmm. And that just really hit me that as a culture, as a society, as parents, there is this expectation that you're going to graduate high school and then you're going to do the thing you're going to do. And for us as parents, I think we feel that societal pressure. We are fearful of our kids floundering and not doing something with their life. Mm -hmm. And yet these other paths that you've pointed out can be another option. So I I know we're going to talk about college and that's the main crux of our show, but this for me just takes off some pressure and says, okay, if I'm struggling with my kid to get them to figure out what college they want to go to do the applications, we don't have the finances for this, or they, they just don't seem to be a fit for this. There aren't only two choices. It's not college or McDonald's, you know, McDonald's counter. <laughs> there are other things that our kids can do. And I appreciate that. Exactly. I, you know, most families that I talk to, um, I think most families in general would say that their child at 18 is not ready to step into the world as an adult, fully ready to support themselves. Right. I think most families feel that they're their child deserves a buffer, right? Some time of buffer between being a kid and an adult. And I think most people uh, expect college to be that buffer and it is, right? And it is. Um, And so when someone says, well, maybe I don't think I wanna go to college, a lot of families automatically assume, oh no, there's no buffer. There's no buffer. They just have to go out into the world and be an adult at 18. And I think that's what we're both trying to say here is, no, there there are other buffers. And even for some people, college is too big of a step after high school and they need a buffer between high school and college, right? So there are other things, you know, it's not college or nothing, right? There are other ways to, uh, to educate yourself, other ways to be amongst people your age and to have a uh, Uh, this nice transition into life as an adult, instead of just jumping into the deep end. Okay. So then for our kids who they do want to go to college, we feel that's the right fit for them. Mm -hmm. You said most of the kids are coming to you going, well, I just got to get on campus. And that was exactly what happened when my kids are going through, through this process, right. Is 
the whole message was just get to the campus and step on campus and you'll know if it's right for you. Yeah. And that just made me want to scream and tear, tear my hair out because I am a logic and organizer person. <laughs> I, I am a, actually a math major in my previous life. And yet I do go by my gut. And, and one of my girls ultimately made her choice based on her gut. I was just like, okay, so, you know, what do you think of this versus this? Just tell me what, you know, as soon as I ask you this question, answer. It. And I ask her, you know, what, what do you think of this school? How do you feel about going here? Or, you know, do you like this school or this school? And she made the ultimate choice based on that. But that was after we went through a process, which I know you and Emma, I, I know that you have more for us than step on campus and tell me if this is right for you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, like I was saying before, and like we said in the, in the career episode, I always like to start with who are you as a person? How do you want to spend your time? Um what do you want to do for work, right? So that's going to be the first question. The colleges that you consider, do they offer the major um, that you're interested in? Because some will and some won't, right? So we first want to make sure that they at least offer what you uh, want to major in um, and what you might want to do for work. Um, then I also like to take uh, young people through the process of calculating your return on investment, right? Because college is a major financial investment, right? Um, and so uh, there are scholarship opportunities that one can get regardless of where you go to college, but also each university is gonna offer scholarships as well. So these are the kinds of things that you need to take into consideration um, to, you know, compare the cost of each university. This was funny with one of my girls, we had narrowed down, we were doing college tours and that, and we were at one campus and the first person we spoke to, we had the conversation, we left her office and my daughter looked at me. She said, we can leave. This place is expensive and they don't like to give away money and I'm not going to invest that much money. So it is interesting when you just let the kids be aware of it, that this is one factor. And it is definitely something to consider because that was another message that came through was pick your dream school and go there no matter what the cost. Yeah. And see, this brings up the next point that I was going to make. When you're looking at your return on investment, it's not just, you know, well, how much aid am I getting to reduce my cost? It's also, is the salary that I'm going to make in this profession commensurate with how much I'm spending on my degree at this school, right? Because each school has their own cost and even each degree within that school is gonna have its own cost, right? Because if you're paying per credit hour, well, every degree has different requirements. And this one may require 136 hours and that one over there requires 142. So, and then, of course, you've got, you know, the big, the brand name schools and things like that that are going to have a higher price tag just because of their name, um, which is very important to some people, right? Um, so you also have to say, okay, you know, for example, education, if you want to be a teacher in this country, you're going to get paid a certain amount of money. And so getting an education degree at this school versus that school is going to make more sense right? Depending on how much, what the tuition is at the schools. So, you know, if you have a dream school, 
go for it, get as much aid as you can, which is another thing that I talk about in my program. I talk about all of the different ways to get aid, right? Um, uh, to, to make it worth the investment based on how much money you're gonna make once you're actually out in the field working. Okay, so we wanna look at, do they have my major? And then look at the money, all these different things about the money. What else do we need to be looking at? Um, and so then you can look at the campus, right? So let's say um, you've chosen a couple of uh, schools that have your major. Um, you're getting great scholarship opportunities that, that make them both doable for you and what you want to do. Um, so now you're narrowing it down and now you can say, okay, let me go visit this college and let me take a look. And stepping onto the campus and how you feel, you know, obviously you will feel something, you'll get a sense of, of what it's like being there and if you like it, but we can go deeper than that. And actually I have a, um, a gift for your listeners today. I have a college visit worksheet that you can download and print out for each college that you visit. And this worksheet um, covers one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, uh, nine aspects to consider when you're at the school. And it asks questions and has a place for you to write down pros and cons and the level of importance to you, right? Because someone who steps on a campus and gets a sense and a feeling and aesthetics and environment is gonna be more important to some people than other people, right? Yeah. So, um, so they'll be able to download this for free and take it with them on their college visits. And it is interesting when you, when you get on a campus and you start looking at things, you, you need to have those discussions uh, about lifestyle. You, you talked in these two episodes on career and college, you talked a lot about our kids understanding what they want their life to be like and, and what they enjoy in that. And I think that's important on a campus. I have one daughter who was going to be very active, involved in lots of things. So what kinds of clubs, organizations, activities do you have? What kind of entertainment do you have? Yeah. My other daughter, I know she is definitely going to need little nooks and crannies around campus. We went to one campus where if you weren't in your dorm or in the cafeteria or the one little cafe on campus, there was no place else to sit. There were no other chairs, benches, anything. You couldn't just plop down somewhere and do homework. You would basically be stuck in your dorm or the library all the time. For her, that's a problem, you know? Um, So I think, you know, those kinds of things. And also, before we even go to campus, and I don't know if this is on your worksheet, Emma, there was one thing I ran into that was super helpful. And that was having the conversation with my kid. Again, it's a lifestyle thing, but it is this, do you want an urban campus? Do you want a rural campus? Do you need to be close to lots of activities? Do you need lots of activity on campus? Yep. But that, I think that can just help us narrow down which ones to actually visit because it's going to be, you know, a rural versus a city campus is going to feel very different, but you can find that out before you get there. If you know, like I am a big city kid, I have to have that energy and intensity. And if that's not on my campus, you know, I I can't, I can't be there. So let's find out before we go instead of there. Are there other things that we should look at besides just like um, urban or rural? Mm-hmm. Yeah, distance from home. 
right? So how long does it take? How much does it cost? How often will you travel between school and home? There are some people that want to stay close to home. Maybe they want to continue living at home to save money. And there are some people that are like, nope, I want to be on the opposite coast. (laughs) Take me there, you know. So that's another one. Um, And then, yeah, school setting was one that you mentioned. Um, Also things like employment opportunities for your school setting. Um, Can you get around campus and off campus if you need to? Climate things like that as well. Um, And also part of that is campus and facilities, right? So that'll be determined on if it's, you know, urban or rural, Um, but size, condition of the buildings, are they historic buildings? Are they fairly new buildings? Do you feel comfortable and safe? Um, Are there modern conveniences and the quality of the facilities, things like that? So these are all on the worksheet as well as more. I love that. Okay. So bottom line is kids don't know what to look for. Parents may not have thought about it. Your worksheet will give us some great detail for when we get to the point of doing college visits. What are your recommendations on doing those college visits? I mean, are there mistakes you see parents making? Is there a better, like, is there a time when we should be looking at doing that? Yeah, so um, what we want to keep in mind is that most people are applying to college in the fall of their senior year. And October, by the way, is when you want to fill out your FAFSA. And then you'll start getting acceptance letters and information about scholarships from the universities in January is when you'll start to get those. And then you have decisions to make by May. May 1st is when you let the, the school know that you know, if you're going to go there or not. Um, So some people do start college visits in junior year over spring break or over summer. Um, But you also have, you know, winter break and spring break of uh, senior year to get in visits as well. The spring break is kind of a little close, um, but that's fine. And I know it's hard to get to colleges sometimes. So uh, particularly over the past couple of years with everything going on in the world, more colleges have um, virtual visits that you can do. So you might not be on the campus getting a literal feel of it, but uh, there are virtual visits that you can do and admissions reps at each school that are gonna answer all of the questions that you have. Um, and you can use this worksheet for any of that. I didn't even think about how many more schools would be doing virtual visits. And I think that's great. Cause one of the things that I've seen is kids really don't have any clue. And they're just like, I'm going to apply to these 12 schools. If you are trying to do campus visits to 12 schools, then you need to have some conversation with your kid Yeah, and there needs to, well, that's just, to me, that's just the red flag that says, wait a minute, we have, you know, we got carried away and that's cool. You know, we got carried away and we're trying to get this next thing done and we miss the train. We need these conversations. We need to talk about career. We need to talk about them, their lifestyle, what they want, what they want for school and stuff. Maybe we should be looking at the gap year. I, you know, like we missed that, that piece of the puzzle. So if you haven't narrowed it down, 
to, I guess, I don't know, what would your recommendation be, Emma? And I know this isn't a hard and fast rule, but kind of if we're going, well, if we haven't narrowed it down to this many, we probably haven't talked enough yet to be actually, you know, traveling to setting foot on campuses. So the amount of schools to look at is really different for each kid. I've, I've talked with people that were like, I'm only going to consider two and here are my reasons why. And that's okay too. Um, uh, like you said, 12 is a bit much, especially when we're talking about visiting, we could narrow it down a little bit more from there. Um, there are some people that are worried about, well, what if I don't get accepted? You want to make sure that you have enough to get accepted. Honestly, um, it's, it's really up to you. I guess five might be a good round number to consider. Um, but um, if you know that, well, I want to be within an hour and there are two universities within an hour, then you don't have to apply to five, right? So it is an individual decision. Well, and, and there are pieces to this. As you were talking, I you know started thinking this through a little bit. And it might be that our child's looking at it and they're, you know, they've, they're narrowed down and, and they have, maybe they have five to 10 schools that they are interested in. That also doesn't mean that in your junior year on spring break, that you have to go see 10 schools or that you have to spend your entire summer going and seeing 10 schools, right? They can apply to all 10 and you can do some more research. And that's what I loved with that virtual visit thing is you can learn a lot about the school, but they can be narrowing down and wait to see where they get accepted and also what kind of money they're going to get from different schools, because that was part of the conversation. And so it's not just part of the conversation when you apply, right? That's going to be part of the conversation. If you aren't hundred percent sure, if you're like, okay, so I applied to five and I got accepted at four of them. And here are the, here are the the pros, the cons, these are the lifestyle differences. These are the financial differences. I need a car at this one. I don't need a car at that one. Like I can get, you know, I, like you said, there are plane flights home from this one. There are all these other things to consider. So we don't have to run around and do all of that just in one moment. We can kind of take it a piece at a time and help our kids work through it and narrow things down. And of course, college visits depend on your family, your finances, your personal situation. If it's easy and fun and happens to be safe, because who knows as coronavirus waxes and wanes, you know, but if it, if you can afford it and you like to travel and it's safe and it's fun and you want to go see 10 schools, then go do that. I just see a lot of families who are doing it out of um, a frenzied how do I pick kind of a place? Like I need to pick something. If I step on campus, I can pick. Right. And I just, I know you don't advocate that. Yeah. I think, um, visiting the campus is one of the last things that you do, right? Because there are so many other ways to narrow down your choices before you get there. Um, and we talked about a lot of those, a lot of these things can be done before you even have to start making travel plans. Well, I love this, Emma. You've shown us that we can take a breath and that there are conversations we can have with our kids. What do they want their life to look like? What do they want to do? I just, if you're listening to the show, Mighty Parents, and you liked anything about it, or you still feel confused, 
go listen to the career episode because they tie together so tightly. Emma, thank you so much for this. I I think this is going to ease the stress for a lot of parents and it definitely gives us uh, a path and some good conversation that we can have with our teens and 20 somethings. So for anyone who's like, this is too much for us, or we really want some expert help. Uh, We want to nail this down. My kids struggling, whatever. If they want to get a hold of you to work through your coaching program, which I love, this is why I am an affiliate of Emma's work is because she is amazing. Where can they find you besides, you know, of course, our affiliate link in the show notes. Yeah, visit emmabperez.com. You'll see all kinds of free resources for parents there, as well as the programs uh, for teens and young adults to work through. And like Sandy said, links in the description or show notes. There you go. Thank you so much, Emma, for taking time to be here today and for doing this little mini series of interviews for us. Yeah, thank you for having me. And Mighty Parents, thank you for being here. Thanks for being in the Mighty Parenting community. I adore working with you and appreciate hearing from you, hearing other topics that you want covered, hearing what happened with topics that we covered. It makes my day. And remember that if you're here, if you're listening, you are a Mighty Parent. You got this. And I will see you next week. Mighty Parents, thank you for joining me for this episode of the Mighty Parenting Podcast. If you're ready for more, visit MightyParenting.com where you can get your free email series, How to Talk to Your Teen, with tips for communicating with your teen in a way that builds connection and communication. And of course, remember to share the podcast with another parent to support them on their parenting journey.